Welcome back to Carving the Stone Podcast, where our positive news articles come to life. I'm your host, Naisha Stone, and I'm also the founder of Carving the Stone, your weekly source of positive news. Like every episode, I'm interviewing someone from around the world who's doing something positive in their life. Um, our next guest is a true businessman. He's worked for Disney, Amazon, and more, and he's actually been featured on Carving the Stone before as well, um, a few years ago when it was kind of just a feature website. So welcome our next guest, Aman Lyle. Hey everybody, uh, pleasure, pleasure to be here. Thank you so much for having me, Naisha. I'm so proud of you and all that you've been able to do. So it's been a blessing to see you grow and transform your empire. Whatever, we here to talk about you, but thank you, thank you, thank you. <laughs> so um, not many people know um about you, but they are going to because you have been doing great things and I feel like you deserve to just talk about yourself and all the stuff that you've been doing. Um, So let's back up a little bit. Rufus King, you know, that's, you know, that's, that's where we know each other from Milwaukee. Uh, Go Generals. K-House, <laughs> K-House, K-House. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about for one, like the beginning of it was kind of getting the Usher scholarship. So can you just walk us through, like, how did you even find out about the scholarship? <laughs> and then for you to be the first recipient, you know, how, how, how has that impacted your life? Yeah. So basically um, I was a, Sophomore at Rufus King, I went to High School of the Arts for my freshman year at first. I was a dance major. Um, and then I transferred to King, and so I was just meeting a lot of people. I got put into a lot of IB classes and a lot of advanced classes. Uh, Miss Hardy, who was the Spanish teacher at King, actually one day randomly said, "Hey, I'm gonna. There's this workshop that their students gonna be speaking at about um, his experience within this, this super dope program." Uh, it's going to be at this time at like 6 p.m. in the auditorium or something like that. Um, and so I'm like, I mean, Milwaukee doesn't have a lot of stuff. So let me just go check it out. Um, and so I went. His name was Sebastian Van Allen Allen. He, he was a senior at the time. I was a sophomore. He's talking about how he did this program with Usher and how Usher flew him to London. And uh, <laughs> like... Wait a minute. I said Usher is in like Usher has roots in Milwaukee. Like why Milwaukee out of all the places? Turns out the CEO was from Milwaukee and they used to run the Boys and Girls Club. So they got recruited to run the Usher's program, nonprofit. So I said, okay, I went to a few meetings and I was like, okay, this is much bigger than just Milwaukee. And this is just much bigger than Wisconsin. Let me enroll kind of worked my way up in the program. They flew me to Atlanta a few times. I got to meet Usher. I got to meet the CEO, impressed them. And then eventually I was nominated for a scholarship randomly. I was working at McDonald's at the cashier booth. <laughs> literally, I'm on, I literally have the headset on taking orders. And then I get a phone call from like the vice president of operations of the organization while I'm at work. I'm not going to not take the call. So I tell somebody else to get the, the headset. As you should. <laughs> you know, I'm like, I, listen, this this is an important call. So I'm in the stock room where all the hamburger buns and all the sauces are on the phone, uh, talking to the vice president. I'm like, hey, yeah, what's up, man? Just curious, you know, why he's calling. He's like, oh yeah, did you know you got nominated for a scholarship? You you were uh, in the top 25. You're now in the top three, and we want to interview um you and your mom uh, to kind of see you know, who of the three are going to get it. And we'll let you know in two weeks. I said, okay, cool. So they interviewed me and my mom literally within like two days. And then the next day, like, okay, 
they got back to me. I was like, you won the scholarship. We're going to fly you to Los Angeles. (laughs) (laughs) And you're going to basically be there for the BET Awards. And um, I'm like, okay, cool. Not thinking too much of it. You know, I mean, it was an amazing honor. This is a full ride scholarship to like Howard University, basically for four, four years. First person to ever get it. So I'm like, so we get to Los Angeles. We're at the, the stadium. I'm in the audience. At first, they 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 play me like in, in the crazy. <laughs> I'm far off to the left, not thinking too much of it. Still close to the front, but not like directly in the front. So then they come get me, then they escort me to sit in the front. So I'm like, what is going on? Like, how like shouldn't I have like why are you switching my seats up? And then Usher calls me on stage. So it was a whole plan to like <laughs> trap me into getting on stage and speaking uh, and getting the award from him physically on the BET Awards in like what, 2012. And since then, I, it's just, you know, that's big bro, you know? So life is crazy. Went to Howard four years. I had a 4.0 for like the first two years, I think, or something like that. Crazy, something crazy like that. Study finance, you know, I think that program changed my life for the better and it still exists, but not in the same way. But those types of resources are definitely like needed. <laughs> Honestly. Man, dude, when I heard about your story years ago, I was just like, what? Like, just like, cause I'm like, for one, like you said, like why Milwaukee out of all places? Like, yeah, we don't have those type of opportunities, but we actually do. You just need somebody like a Miss Hardy to be like, I see the potential in you and if you can show up, you'll know what can happen and like, look at you. So now you graduated with no, you know, with no loans, no stuff like that, which is amazing. So now then you got into Disney. Can you talk about Disney? I remember you were saying when we, when I did the article back then, like you were kind of in charge of those kind of like those backend deals and making sure people like got their royalties and stuff like that. So can you talk about messing with a hundred million dollars and all of this? Like you, you know, so let's get into it. (laughs) So crazy enough. I knew from my finance experience, I had worked in investments uh, before I graduated. Like I was managing, like helping people with large amounts of money, like figure out how to invest it. That was what my job was. Uh, and this was before I graduated. At, I worked at Goldman Sachs, which is like one of the number one investment banks that does this kind of thing. And from that experience, I learned, I'm like, you know, I don't think I want to do this. Uh, I don't think I, I don't think I like this. And I was like, so what do I like? What industry am I most interested in? And Warren Buffett always says, never invest in anything that you don't understand. And so I'm like, well, let me go learn entertainment. And the only way to truly learn entertainment is to work in it. You can't really learn it without that. So I started off working in wealth management, managing money for people in entertainment. Um, And so how that worked was basically, let's say, like Carol King or John Travolta or Usher or Miguel or this was Kanye was signed to this business management firm at the time and I was working there. Janet Jackson was working uh, was signed to this business management firm too. We managed their assets, their money, and their royalties, their taxes, their insurance, like their businesses. Their and I was like, well, this isn't really rocket science. So I started asking people like, what's the hardest part about managing the businesses of these entertainers and these uh, these major celebrities and everyone's like no one understands royalties like we don't we don't get it and so I was like ah 
So that's where I'm going to start my career. You found like, a problem. And right. I was like, I found a, literally, I said, I'm going to start on royalties. Nobody gets it. So I said, well, if I'm going to do royalties, I'm going to do it at the highest level. So I put out the bat signal um, and I applied for a lot of opportunities. Disney reached out to me about an opportunity in royalties. And I'm like, Disney? Disney, Disney? I said, okay. So, all right. So I interviewed. It took like three months to get this job, I think. So I interviewed, got the job. It was insane. I, I was the first person who was responsible for doing multiple business lines uh, for, for royalties. Before they used to segment, like either did movies, you did TV shows, you did um, like live tours, like traveling productions, or you just did distribution deals, meaning you kind of basically helped put movies across the world and report it. I was the first person who worked in all of those spaces. And I got to see the deals that these actors, these A-list celebrities, writers, directors, producers uh, had. Like when, if a movie was profitable, then they would receive a percentage of those profits basically. And I did that for about three years. And I, throughout that time, I learned a lot, like how royalties worked, you know, (laughs) a lot of the times, like these, these movies and these TV shows and these Broadway, Broadway plays and they're actually shown as unprofitable on the financial statements that goes to <laughs> these participants, uh, mm. celebrities, basically. It's crazy. Like, and the, that was the foundation of my entertainment career, which allowed me to move forward to working in strategy and even now working at Prime, Prime Video now. And so I think, and even on the side, like I was managing you know, talent as well, because of my experience, my corporate experience in managing artists and entertainers and photographers, basically, because I'm, I saw the deals. And so it just made sense, basically. Yeah. See, like, it's easy to him. I'm over here, like learning, like, okay, okay, like this, this dope, because it's like, you don't, (laughs) from my perspective, like, you know, I'm just like in the media world. So I get to see a lot of the media in that, but I don't get to see the side of, okay, they're signing the deal of this. And how does that work? How do those royalties work and all that stuff? So it's very important that we have a black man in this yeah. position doing this. So um, how do you feel about just being in your position? Um, And then how do you, do you have, are you a mentor yet? Do you plan on being a mentor? But like, in what ways do you uh, want to see other people like, you know, be in your position? Like, how are you hoping, you know, pass the torch eventually, I guess. I love that question. That's such a good question. Well, the first thing is I am blessed, okay? I'm often the only Black person in these conversations, and it, it requires a certain level of attention to the marketplace as well. And when I say that, I mean, like, I have to read constantly. Like, I'm subscribed to so many different articles. Like, this morning, I woke up and spent the first 45 minutes of my day reading through multiple, uh, like, news sources just to stay updated because things change so fast. <laughs> like nonstop mm-hmm. and everything impacts everything, especially in streaming, um, especially when you're working at the one of the largest streaming platforms. So that's the first thing. And then in terms of giving back, that's like my favorite part of, of like living is <laughs> it's so beautiful too, because like, I'll be very, very clear. My life hasn't been a hundred percent always easy. Like I grew up in a way that wasn't necessarily wealthy. I didn't grow up with wealthy parents. Like my mom did the best she could do. My dad did the best that he could do. They're amazing people under the circumstances that we have. And so I, just because I grew up that way, I automatically know life isn't always easy for everybody. 
And then, and then when you become an adult and you graduate, it gets even harder. <laughs> like that, it doesn't go away. Life doesn't get any easier. And so throughout my career, um, I've, I recognize that we need to bring this next generation into the fold. So one of the most amazing things that I got to do while I was working at Disney, oh my, I, even still to this day, I still can't believe they let me do this. They let me hire like five people. <laughs> like, yo, they let me be in charge of like hiring for like, like our interns and our analysts at one point in time. And because we're, there was this whole diversity push, I went to Howard University, which is an HBC, you know, HBCU. And I basically know all about recruiting only because when I was in school, my, like my whole mindset was I need to get a job before I graduate. And this is how I'm going to do it. So I know the system from a college perspective. And now I'm working in corporate as a manager at what, age 25, right? I'm a 25 year old manager at the Walt Disney Company, which is like in the top 10% of Fortune 500 companies being given the opportunity to hire people, right? So I easily hire like five, inter Go five tell black me. interns from Howard, like with no budget. They literally said, okay, we want to hire some diverse candidates who are talented. Um, and we think you're the guy to help do that. And I said, easily. I said, do I have a budget? They said, no. So I reached out to Howard. I said, hey, listen, I have an opportunity to hire, you know, what's the best approach? They're like, well, you can pay $10,000 to do X, Y, or Z. I said, no, nah, that's not what I'm going to do. So I, I looked back through the, the organizations that I used to be a part of. I set up a virtual panel within like a week. I literally set up a virtual panel within a week. I had about 50 students join the virtual panel. And out of that, I got like 20 resumes. And from those 20 resumes, we hired like five of those uh, five of those interns and like I had to interview all of them like I literally remember this days back-to-back -back interviews having to provide feedback I got to pick the you know the interns and then to see them start their careers and like talk to them at Disney and see them go off to different places like one of them was an intern at ESPN and he's now like in marketing at Google there was another one who she was my intern uh two of them I had two interns that were directly reporting to me one still has worked there she got converted to a full-time uh, analyst. And I helped her negotiate her salary. Uh, so now she's a full-time analyst at the Walt Disney Company, Black woman. And then another one, she ended up joining NBC's program. Then another intern that I, I hired ended up at Amazon as an account executive. And in, to this day, she's still, we still talk today. Like we, we call each other and she like asks me for advice on how to navigate her career and things like that. And so it's just like, wow, like I really helped create this next generation of young black entertainment business people who are now matriculating and kind of building and growing and developing into like leaders in the entertainment space and it's like I don't even talk about that you know what I mean like I don't even like no one knows that like that's not a thing that I brag about but it's just something that I I I, I got to do in the sense that I got to bring help bring in the next generation and that's a lot because Disney Listen, to get hired at Disney, they have like thousands of applications for each job posting, you know? So, yeah, I think that's something that I've been able to do that I'm truly honored with. And then mentorship programs. So I was the president of this, the UNCF, like this young adult society, basically. 
and we do a mentorship program for high school students in, in the STEM field. So we would match um, like this, these five high school students with the mentor. I served as a mentor too at one point and we would meet every week for 10 weeks and walk them through the college application process. And we would have them meet with different uh, advisors and help them answer questions on how to apply for college, like how to choose a major, what's financial aid, what's the common app, how to write their essays, proofreading their essays. Wow. It's like, you going. I'm big, yeah, I'm big on education. That's like, that's how I got out of poverty for real. So to give back on that, it's like, man, you yeah. don't even know. That's sweet. You say, you said that's how you got out of poverty. So if y'all hearing, I know y'all hearing his success story. And before we even press record, he did admit that he was like, he's just not realizing how successful he is because he keeps his head down. And, you know, that's usually what happens. Like, you're working, you're working, you're working because, you know, you got to go. But now it's time for you to kind of just sit back and relax just a tad bit um, and just be <laughs> like, damn, I did that and I'm doing it. So we're going to get into um, now working for Amazon. So uh, what made you transition to Amazon and what exactly do you do with them? Right. So, mind you, I'm a manager at Disney. I'm not even thinking about leaving this company. <laughs> right. I was I was good. I was Listen, making like six figures, you know, I wasn't even really, I'm 25, 26, during, this is during the pandemic, Amazon goes into my LinkedIn DMs, like, hey, we have an opportunity for you. We we think you might, we might, you might be a fit. So I'm like, okay, you know, I never turned on an interview request. So, I mean, hey. So she's like, oh yeah, there's a content specialist opportunity. Um to to work for one of Amazon's subsidiaries, let's let's kind of talk through what this potentially could look like. I said, you do know I'm a manager right now, and I have <laughs> I'm managing a team right now. Uh, so I think content specialists might not be what I'm interested in. Uh, so knowing your worth, knowing your value is very important. Just, oh, well, in that case, well, there is another opportunity that I think could be aligned. It's, it's for a content acquisition manager. Um, so I interviewed, it was like nine interviews. And then I remember, <laughs> I remember this like it was yesterday. I was driving to uh, to the studio at the time. I was driving to this music studio because they were launching something. And I'm on vacation at the time. And... She's telling me the offer. She's like, yeah, you get the offer. She's walking through the details of this job opportunity at Amazon. <laughs> and then she talks to, she talks about like the compensation part of it, which is the financial piece. And I said, wait, how much? <laughs> I said, I said, you're offering how much? I said, okay. They basically doubled my salary from Disney. So I basically really negotiated and had to take that offer. You, you double my Disney salary. And so while I was at um, their new media property called Audible, what I was doing was, my job was three things. I was meeting with agents, lawyers, managers, celebrities, getting taking pitches from, from their content, basically, and turning it into realities and greenlighting, greenlighting content, basically. That was my job. Wow. Um, so to build relationships, take in the content, analyze, look at the budgets to see if it was feasible, read the scripts, provide notes, um, and then pitch it internally to our team meeting to see if it can get greenlit. I got like maybe eight or nine projects greenlit while I um, was working at Audible. Can you say which ones or name one or two or no? Uh, well, some of them are under non-disclosure agreements, yep, but that's right. one isn't. Um, one is called Possession. It's by At Will Media. 
So I negotiated that deal, uh, which it's a it's a thriller that should be out soon. It's supposed to be like a list cast. I can't really talk too much about it, but that's one that I did negotiate that did get greenlit. I'm super pumped. It's a like a thriller. And then there's another one, um, Letters from Camp. It was like season three. That's Jamie Lee Curtis's like content. So I got that greenlit, negotiated that. And there's a few other ones that I worked on, but I can't really talk about those. But those are the bigger ones. And then from that, I ended up transitioning into another role at Amazon, still on, on the streaming side definitely boost my my compensation a bit again where now my job went from kind of buying the individual shows specifically to now I'm basically launching streaming platforms with television networks um and kind of managing the day-to-day -day of that which is like insane it's like crazy <laughs> wait hold on okay so let's back up a little bit before we get to like like the streaming services specifically. How do you go about like what does it take to green light a show? Like you know when you was going in there to pitch, like what do you think sold them on those like specific shows? And how did you go about which shows you wanted to pitch to like other people? Yes, so it's actually very simple, but it's very complicated at the same time. Typically, what a good show requires is. It's like two different buckets. Think about it as like a good show in general just needs to be a good show, meaning it has to be a good concept, good cast, like a really good idea, a good script, well thought out plan. That's like the first thing. The content needs to be good and there needs to be talent that people want to have in the content. That's the first piece. And then the other side, the ability to produce it needs to be secured. So whether you're producing it, if you have a track record, then it's easy to green light it. But if you don't have a track record, then it probably won't get produced because it's like, how do we know that you're going to deliver it on time within budget and that it's going to be quality based off of what you submitted? So the combination of those two things, you have to go to a presentation and say, well, we think that this project is good because of these reasons it appeals to these audiences. It costs this much money. We it fits into our budget spectrum. Like for this genre with this cast, we think this is a very valuable project. And this production team is capable of producing it. Greenlight it. That's that that's what that process looks like. And typically how you know something's gonna get greenlit or not is if you're presenting it and everyone's like, ooh, like in the meeting, like <laughs> if everyone's like, ooh, that sounds good. Like, ooh, I, I like, I like that. Like this sounds great. Um, I'm interested in in that type of content. Or if there's like a producer or a director that everyone loves, like there, I remember someone was pitching a project with Kerry Washington. Everyone loves Kerry Washington. Like no one's, if the project is good and Kerry Washington's attached, boom. You know what I mean? Um, so those types of things really do matter. And how you find projects is through agents, mostly. Um, agents and producers who already have a relationship with the studio. Um, and then when I say agents, that's like a talent agent that works at like WME, ICM, UTA, or CAA, which are like the four biggest agencies. And they represent talent, producers, writers, and they kind of constantly submit things. And then producers who just have good relationships with the studio directly submit, or in some producers actually have a deal with us where they're required to submit uh, projects to us first, which is a first look deal, or they have an overall deal, meaning 
there's a minimum amount of projects that they have to produce per year because they're getting paid X amount of money per year. Uh, oh, so those are the kind of funnels into the to the system for content. And it's not really common. You don't know that until you work in it. You're like, oh, that's how that works. But it makes sense though. Like what I'm thinking of, and if y'all listening to Carving Stone podcast, Naisha Stone, our guest, Aman Lyle. Um, but what I was thinking of, you said it's all about building relationships. And that's what literally any industry, like for this right now, because we known each other at King, because we did the article before, now you feel comfortable, you know, coming on the podcast. If some random reporter would have hit you up, you probably would have been like, I don't know. Maybe, maybe depends depends on the platform. So, um, I, I that's what I'm really realizing. And to everyone listening, it's not just about building relationships just to get something, but it's just about making those genuine connections. And I think sometimes people can get those confused. Like, you know, I'm just gonna be nice to this person just because I want something in the end. But that's never gonna work out for you. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's so real. <laughs> that's not gonna work out. Um, so you at Amazon and streaming services. So. Talk about that. Like what, like, so are you, so are you, so for example, like, are you now the person saying like, okay, well we have Hulu and we're going to distribute it here. Or like, what do you mean? Or is that, is that what you mean? Like, can you talk about that? <laughs> yeah, that's, that's so interestingly enough. I didn't know this until recently until before I kind of started learning more about Amazon and the job culture. So Amazon has this platform where you can subscribe to other streaming channels through Amazon prime. Right. So like, let's say, I want to go subscribe to, we just launched HBO Max. That's a huge, huge, huge driver of traffic for us. So you can basically have all of your content in one spot where you mm-hmm. don't have to log into different screaming subscribe, like subscriptions, like, and the shows will populate within the app. So like, it's crazy. Like if you have HBO, like Euphoria, if you log into your prime video, like the Euphoria episodes will pop up and all of the popular HBO stuff. If you have BET, all of the, the BET stuff will populate. Like if you have um prime video all the prime video stuff will populate so like you can put all your streaming stuff into that one page now the thing is what i didn't know was each of those streaming platforms it's not just like a like a machine where they can just sign up and then like all their content is shown like that's a whole technical relationship where you have to launch that their streaming platform through Amazon's platform. Yeah, so they got to rebuild it basically. So like you need developers. For that. Yes, it's crazy. So I'm literally, and so the subscribers that they gain on that platform when our in our ecosystem, there are subscribers. So there's data that it's like, we're literally managing their streaming platform internally for them. So I'm constantly meeting with TV networks about their streaming services. I'm launching new streaming services. Um, let's like a networks is one of my platforms. I'm constantly talking to them about what shows that they're going to upload, how their shows are performing, um, which shows are doing the best, how much revenue is being generated each month or each quarter, um, what their subscribers are looking like, what, you know, what shows could they put, should they be green lighting? <laughs> Basically, essentially that's, and then let's say another platform is launching a streaming platform through the prime video ecosystem. So I have to go ahead and launch it. So I'm like, what are all the shows that are going to be on the streaming platform when we launch it? You know, how do you want to market it? A lot of it is marketing too. It's like, it's crazy. It's like, this is such a great learning experience. It's like 90% of my job is marketing is how are we going to drive subscribers to your streaming platform? Let's say Amazon has a, an ecosystem of over 200 million people because of prime. Right. So, and then the prime video ecosystem, there's millions of people there. So how are we going to make your streaming service stand out? 
um, at these different points in times throughout the year to increase your revenue. It's like, it's it's like consulting for streaming companies, basically. It's crazy. You're doing so much. So what I think is so cool about your story is you you it started with education. Like that's that's the bottom line. Then it's like, okay, finance. And you got so good at finance that you were able to dive into you're doing marketing and now you're into tech. And so I think that's good. Like when you have a great foundation, you can do whatever you want. And if you ever need marketing needs, you know, hit Carver Stone up. <laughs> Y'all know we hear uh public relations and communications, hit us up, carverstone.com. Um <laughs> But yeah, like, I think that's amazing that you're that you are willing to, man, I really don't want to do this, but you be like, forget it anyway. I'm gonna learn how to do it and I'm gonna be the best at the highest level at that. And that's something that I I believe I'm achieving through, you know, carving stone. We I started off as a print online journalist, and this was no background in journalism. I just went yeah. to college for it and learned everything there. And then now I'm doing video, now I'm doing podcasts, now I'm actually building, I've been running my website like through Squarespace for the longest. Now I finally have tech developers who I'm actually meeting with next week. So we're going to have a new website out. And so, you know, making those partnerships with Amazon, you know, making a stream and stuff. And so um, I definitely understand that it do take stages. Um, but how does it feel for you to finally realize that you are successful? Yo, it's so funny. It didn't hit me until the other day that I'm actually successful. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Yo, <laughs> it's so crazy to say that, but I was like, you know, Amar, you're not doing enough. Like, it took, it's been a journey to say the least. Because uh, I, I, I'm in therapy. Because uh, I realized, like, at a certain point, I'm going to reach a level of success. And I want to enjoy it. That's what I've been telling myself for so long. It's like, listen, you're going to get to, you're going to become successful. And you're going to want to enjoy this success. So you want to be mentally and spiritually sound before you get to the space where, you know, you're you're at this certain level of generating money and you want to be able to comfortably enjoy it and spend it without feeling guilty. And you want to feel like your your mental and your spiritual peace is is preserved. So I've been I've been telling myself, when you become successful, when you become successful, you know, you want to be grounded. And then I don't know what it was. What it I think I I went to Jamaica. <laughs> I think that's what it was. <laughs> I went to Jamaica like for a wedding. And then I realized we're on the boat. We're on this yacht. And I'm sitting there like, everybody on this yacht is low-key kind of rich. Like, and I was like, wait a minute, Amon, you're low-key kind of rich too. And that was like the first time I was like, okay, you, you're, you're doing well for yourself. You're you're not even 30 yet. And you're working at a tech company that's the number two tech company on like the Fortune 500 list. Like Amazon is number two, right? Like on the Fortune 500 list. I'm a manager. And I'm not even 30 yet, right? So I'm like, okay, maybe you might be successful. But then I'm just thinking about my peers and I'm thinking about my parents and my like generations of slavery and just like how much we have overcome and like even me in entertainment. And I'm like, no, 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 no. Like you work for this. You are successful because you actually had a plan. You went to college, you got 4.0s, you were in student government. Like you actually learn how to be a leader you you're doing the work you're in therapy you, you're working on building your friendships to make them even stronger you give back to the community like I, I really had to because sometimes you're, we compare ourselves to so many other people right LinkedIn yes, this, come on now <laughs> listen LinkedIn Twitter Instagram we're so often comparing ourselves to the next person that we don't take a second to realize that they all want to have their own journey and their own stories but to we are somewhere that we dreamed of being in. Like I am in content acquisition. I dreamed of being in, a, in entertainment and technology. Like my, I had a plan. I didn't know 
it was going to go like this. You know, I had a plan. It didn't necessarily, my plan didn't go as I thought it would, but I still ended up where I, I kind of thought I would be, right? Investing into content and helping grow entertainment and the highest growth of media, right? And so when I took a step back and stopped focusing on everything else around me and everyone else's accomplishments and everyone else's success and really looked inward and said, you know, what is it that you wanted to do and are you doing it? I was like, you know what? I, I am like, I started off yeah, in well. accounting finance and now I'm not doing that anymore like you know I'm doing cool things in marketing I'm in marketing I used to say that I want to go from finance to marketing all the time I'm really look at you you know what I'm saying like I live in LA it's sunny and beautiful like I have I I live a pretty great life I have good friends my family's doing well like it took me a second like you know what you're kind of blessed bro like not kind of you really are Thank you for being honest, though. Like, I, 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 you know, like they imposter syndrome. I talk about that a lot. Um, But that's just as by people. But we deserve everything that we have. And, you know, sometimes I feel like we always told that if you talk too much about yourself, that's going to get taken away or you're not being humble. But sometimes we just really got to say what we do. I just got covered by Essence. I'm very proud Let's of myself. Congratulations. <laughs> thank you. And I'm very proud of you. So like, thank you for being on my platform. So how I end all my interviews, when people listen to this interview, what do you want them to get from me? That's a really good question. That's a great question. I think the thing that contributed most to... Uh, my position right now, and not even, I'm not even just talking about corporate, I mean, state of mind, state of being is find yourself. And then I know that's so like abstract and it's so like broad, but go do things that you love. And I tell everybody this, all my mentees, like everybody, find what you love and just do it. And and or eat it. It could be foods. Go find the foods that you love. It could be honey nut Cheerios. You know, like it could be small things. It could be taking walks in the park while the sun is out. It could be, you know, going to the gym, working out, find things that make you happy and find your true source of happiness. And then hold on to that because life is not always going to be you know, always happy, go lucky, sunshine, rainbows. You have to sometimes create that happiness for yourself. And that's how you're going to get through those dark moments and how you're going to get through those those storms. And we all have our own struggles. We all have our own, you know, challenges. But if you can find a way to keep yourself alive during those dark moments with that happiness, right? And then hold on to that. And you're still building outside whatever skill that you have, become excellent at that. Like you want to be a journalist, you want to be the best publicist in the world, you know, and you're, you're actively gaining the experience doing that. That's one thing and build on that. How do you, how do you take that to the next level? How do you get better? How do you get better and better and better? Does that mean you need to be, uh, you need to be a mentor of somebody? Does that mean you need to take a class? Does that mean you need to sign up for a fellowship? What is that? How can you constantly be working on building yourself to the next level while also maintaining your happiness, right? Does that mean you need to go look for grants or applying for grants? Does that mean you need to go get a small business loan? How can you expand, right? How can you level up, but still be happy and maintain your happiness and your peace? Because when you have both of those and you just live life and, and you live life happily in your building and you're you things just happen like things just happen like 
you never know where God's going to take you. Like I'm literally taking a book and I'm adapting it into a movie with a producer who's worked on multiple movies this year. And I've been on set in Chicago for about two or three of those movies. Right. And now we're adapting the book to turn it into a, to a third movie. Right. So it's random things like that, that, that come up. And that's not even in my corporate job. That's like on the side, you know what I mean? That's like for fun. You never know where God's going to take you or even me serving on the board of Usher's new look, which is Usher Raymond, you know, the Grammy award winning artist, his, his organization. I'm on the board of that. I didn't even apply for that. I didn't even know that that was a thing. I was just kind of being, you know, a good person and, and making sure that I, I show love to the organization. I, cause I love them. They've given me so much. I've invested so much. They saw me doing work. I guess when it came time to think about who will be on the board, my name came up. And so you see what I'm saying? Like now I'm on the board of this artist's organization and I'm helping with strategy and making decisions. And and it's just insane. Like what, what we can do with what we have if we remember to stay to stay happy and, and find our peace and and um and live with great, great vibes, honestly, you know? Oh, I'm feeling that. Uh, that's one thing. People see me smiling all the time, but you definitely go through things. But like you said, if you can hold on to the happiness when stuff going down, this you'll is. be good. Well, again, this is the Carving the Stone podcast where our positive news articles come to life. My name is Naisha Stone. And thank you so much, Amon Lyle. Make sure y'all go check them out. Google them. Look them up. If y'all got some uh, TV shows, maybe picture to them. Who knows? You might be the next great idea. Who knows? But meet us here every Tuesday as I interview different people around the world about the positive things in their life. And always remember, in the end, everything will be carved in stone. In the end, everything will be carved in stone.